Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, my pumpkins. This is Chloe Taylor, and welcome to Authentic and Unapologetic. Here, we explore spirituality and psychology. It is my goal with this podcast to remind you that when you stand tall in your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. Hey there, pumpkins, and welcome back to the channel or the podcast, wherever you're listening to this episode. I will be sure to give you a link to either or, depending on where you want to listen. But hello, welcome. If you are new here, my name is Chloe Taylor, and I believe that we have the most autumnal channel and podcast here on this corner of the internet. If you are new here, I always also like to remind y'all that I do have a Patreon where you get early access to these videos, uh, not the audio podcast, but the videos always go out earlier there. And uh, you also get early access to all of my pick a cards. There's like exclusive, all kinds of fun stuff. So definitely check it out if you're interested. And uh, today, this video, I feel like it was just like time because the last Q&A we did for the channel, I think we did at like 50k subscribers. And we actually just hit 70k when I'm recording this, which I imagine by the time this video sees the light of day or this podcast uh it we're gonna be beyond that but I just hit 70k within the last like week or so so it's been a minute and I asked y'all here on the YouTube community tab I also asked you on Instagram but we're saving the Instagram questions for another time but these are all questions from you on the YouTube community tab and so let's just dive right into them so question number one comes from malls and they said what do you do to feed your creativity slash inner child so glad the podcast is back you are a light to this world thank you so much malls I really appreciate it so as far as feeding my inner child and my creativity which I do feel like those things really do go hand in hand when I'm trying to feed my inner child though we're just going to kind of condense that into one place because I believe that my inner child is inherently very creative um I, I don't even know where I got this wisdom. This is not mine. I don't know if I got it from TikTok, from a friend. I want to say it came from TikTok, but don't quote me on that. Um, I basically treat myself as if I were sick. If I'm feeling like very depleted, and I try not to ever even let myself get to that point. But if I'm feeling depleted and I really need to feed that part of me, I'll treat myself like a sick child. Like if I was sick and little, what did I need as a child? I needed comfort. So if I have somebody around me who is very supportive and wants to partake in that with me, um, I'll spend time cuddling, wrapped up in a blanket, favorite snacks, watch Disney movies um, or cartoon movies. I love, I want to say it's John Bluth or Don Bluth movies. Ooh. They hit the spot. Swan Princess, Thumbelina, uh, Anastasia, I want to say they did as well. 
Um, I will watch like older movies that to me, they're older, uh, older movies that I loved as a child. And I will just spend time with myself, not worrying about work, not worrying about relationships, not worrying. Like that's like the only rule is when I step into that place, my comfortable nest on this couch, if you're watching the video, uh, when I step into that place, there's no judgment, like no judgment for how I spend my time. If I want to sleep all day, like it doesn't matter. I don't, I try my best to enter that space without judgment because when you're sick, do you sit there and judge yourself? I mean, I hope not, but like a sick child doesn't think about, oh my gosh, I need to go get all these things done or my relationships are going to suffer or what have you. No, they're just sick and they just need comfort. So that's probably my favorite way to address my inner child, but that's usually on like a depleted note when I'm just feeling like I'm baby and like everything upsets me. I'm like, okay, we need like a sick child day. So that's what we're doing. Um, which I don't call it that. I usually call it just like a day for me, but that's how I roll into that. And obviously I'm not talking about like sick children with like terminal illnesses, things like that. I just mean, think about yourself when you had like, it's just like a virus when you were a kid or something of that nature. The next question comes from Michelle M. And they said, how do you know your soul's earth mission? I know mine in general, but trying to narrow down specifically how to walk in my purpose daily as a light being. For example, is it intertwined with career or is it just my way of life? Love your channel. You are much appreciated. Thank you so much, Michelle. I appreciate you and your question. And I feel like when it comes to your soul mission or like soul's calling, there is this really big uprising in society, especially in the spiritual community, that makes people feel like they have to have it figured out. And this probably isn't the answer you want to hear, but it's what I got. And I feel like ultimately a huge part of your soul's calling is not stressing that point. It's coming to it very naturally. I highly recommend, and I will say this until I am blue in the face. I don't recommend it on audible. Definitely buy the physical book or the uh, Kindle edition, like a digital book or something, but I will always recommend, and I will link it down below for you. Light is the new black by Rebecca Campbell. When I was going through my dark night of the soul, this was the book that helped me to pick myself up, self up out of rock bottom and get back into the flow of creating something else. Because many of you know, I had a gaming channel that accrued like almost 200k subs and I literally just walked away from it because I felt like I had grown out of it for myself. Um, that's like a whole other story. And if y'all want me to talk about that, I can. Um, but I basically like left my life's work to do my life's work here, what I do now. And that was really hard. That was one of the hardest things I think as an adult that I have experienced. And it was very hard in those moments when I wanted just to have the answer fall into my lap. I wanted spirit just to be like, Hey, Chloe, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Get on it. And I had like zero to little faith in myself, but I started reading that book and it may not hit you the same way that it hit me, but I feel like it gave me the insight that I needed just to start doing something and to stop judging my process so harshly. So I always recommend that book. It was one that just really struck me. I don't recommend it on Audible just because of the way that it reads. I think it's better to read it physically, but do you, whatever works for you, obviously. Some people do like it better on Audible, but definitely check that out and just don't be so hard on yourself. Sometimes we don't find our soul's calling until we're like 85. Sometimes people find it extremely 
extremely young. And the more you stress that, I feel like the more you actually become in resistance to it because we're grasping so tightly. And the more you let it flow to you naturally, which I know seems like such, such a the worst advice, <laughs> especially if you're really struggling with it. But I promise that it will come to you in the most divinely beautiful way. And it will only show up when you're ready. And sometimes I also want to add to that, we can have multiple life purposes. I think when I was doing gaming, and that was my whole world, that was where I was supposed to be. It gave me a lot of skills, knowledge and tools to be where I am right now. And without that background, I wouldn't be able to sit here and be as comfortable as I am, and be able to do as much as I do create the way that I like to and see my mission come to life. So it just, it takes time. And my heart is really with you because I know how frustrating that is personally. So best of luck to you. I believe that you'll find it. Check out that book. Okay. The next question comes from Nikki Michelle and they said, hi, Chloe, best remedy for those stuck days when you have an urge to create, but that motivation isn't catching up to your creative urges. How do you push through spiritually and exercise that creative energy? So the most important thing, and I say this as somebody that I'm pretty sure I struggle with ADHD. It's not officially diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure it's there. <laughs> Um, just based on a lot of the ways that I behave in my day to day and how I think and speak. Um, but having like that just like overpower everything I do, I am so easily distracted. And the number one thing I feel like when I have that creative energy, but the motivation isn't there, two things, actually two things. The first thing is you have to remove the distractions. If there's something that you're doing that is ultimately keeping you from what you want to do, be it TikTok, be it Netflix, be it another person, you know, you have to remove the distractions. Something that I highly encourage is do not take your phone to bed with you. Do not look at it in the morning unless you have like a reason to check it for emergencies. Like maybe one of your relatives is in the hospital and you need to like make sure you're checking. Outside of that, do not engage with your phone until whatever you're wanting to create is done. And same with like the TV, the iPad, your computer, like turn, take the internet, like take the cord out of the router that connects it, turn the router off, like make it to where you have to go in undistracted. In this digital day and age, we are so distracted. And myself, something that I do to keep myself not distracted is I'm somebody that if you sit me in front of social media, I'll be there for 12 hours easily. I will just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And I think a lot of us are very guilty of that. Um, but I delete the apps. <laughs> Literally, every time I use them, every time I use them, and then I put them away for the day, or for the week or for the month, however active I'm being on there, I delete the apps every single time. Because I know that if I pick up my phone and that app is there, it's like hardwired in, I will just go there. So I delete them. And then when I feel like I want to go spend some time on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, I will go reinstall the app just for like a couple of hours and I'll set a timer. And that might seem extreme for some of y'all. Maybe some of y'all have better boundaries with it. But for me in social media, I become highly addicted. And it actually zaps me of my motivation because I see everybody else doing great things. And though I'm happy for them, sometimes it can turn into comparison. And why am I not there yet? It's just very like demotivating. 
And I know that I'm not the only person that feels that way. Um, and then the other thing that I feel like you can do when you're not feeling motivated is you have to get very clear on why you're doing something. If I could give you an example in my own experience right now, I have been trying to fix my sleep for a decade. <laughs> I don't necessarily sleep well. Um, I don't think it's actually insomnia. I think it's literally just lack of loving discipline for myself. And something that I have had to really forge into my brain is to remind myself why I'm doing something. Even if I don't want to, if I don't want to go to bed at night, I don't want to put my iPad down, I don't want to put my phone away, I have to ask myself, why am I doing that? Why am I getting up early? Why is it important to me that I get a full eight to nine hours of sleep? Why, why? And your why has to be stronger because there is never going to be a time period in your life, I promise, where you feel motivated every single day. It's just not going to happen. And so if you really want to create and do something with that energy, you have to do it in spite of motivation because the motivation is not, it's not something you can rely on. There are times where we feel highly inspired and highly motivated. And those are great times to get in there and do some things, but there are going to be so many times where that just isn't going to be available to you. So you have to come back to the why. So I would take some time to journal that out, to ask yourself why it's so important to you that you create, what benefits does it give to you and keep that list somewhere that you can refer to it when you're feeling very demotivated. Uh, Kavitha, I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name because I will butcher it. I'm so sorry. Uh, but they said, which was the first deck of cards? Which was your first deck of cards? And how did you get into spirituality? By the way, love you. I'm going to try to cover this very quickly because I can get very long winded sometimes. <laughs> we know this. But, um, my very first deck of cards, I actually don't have any more. Um, I used to say that it was a Rider Waite Smith style deck, but that's actually not true because I forgot about this. But I had a deck called Ask Your Guides when I was in high school. And I bought this deck when I was like 15 or 16 years old with my own money. And it was my first ever deck. I'd never seen, like I'd seen tarot cards, but I'd never seen an Oracle deck before. And I remember I was kind of seeing this guy at the time and he didn't really get it. He was just like, what are those for? And I was just like, you just like, I didn't have the words to be like, oh, you have to trust your intuition. And like, da 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 da. I didn't know as much as I do now. I was much younger. I was like half my age. Oh my gosh. I was half my age. I was 15 and I'm 30. You know what? I love being 30. Don't let anybody tell, scare you from being 30. I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I regret nothing. But in, in what I was saying, um, that was technically the first deck I ever had. I have no idea what happened to this deck. I don't have it anymore, which is quite unfortunate. But it was something that like I already was geared toward trusting my intuition because, and hear me out on this one, um, I grew up Mormon. I've talked about this on several occasions because it's something that I'm really passionate about talking about because I'm not in any part of an organized religion now because it doesn't suit me as an individual. Um, nothing wrong with organized religion. If that makes you happy, you do you. I, I support you being the best version of yourself, no matter what that looks like, as long as we're not hurting anybody else with our religious beliefs. But <clears throat> I grew up Mormon, and I actually think if there was anything that Mormonism gave to me, there's a lot that it took away from me, but 
if there's one thing I can credit the Mormon church to and being raised in the Mormon faith is that I was always taught and praised from a very young age that listening to the Holy Spirit uh, was like a really good thing. And we're just using different words for the same things, y'all. The Holy Spirit is your intuition. It's your spirit guides. It's your... It's literally whatever that divine presence means to you as an individual. And these are the words that the church didn't give me. But the fact that it was a praised behavior for me to continue to hone that intuitive skill. um, And I just trusted it. Like, even when I was Mormon, like, I had a lot of, like, very blind faith, which I actually don't always think was a good thing, uh, depending on what we were talking about. But I feel like it gave me this ability to connect with myself on a deeper level that maybe somebody without that didn't have. Now, that doesn't mean you can't connect with yourself without a form of organized religion. That's not what I'm saying. I think you absolutely can and you should. Um, But that's really how I got into spirituality technically. Now, how did I go from being in like a very, for me, oppressive, religious, indoctrinated child into like a thriving chaos, which that is a story that I actually already covered and I'll card it for you. And I will also link it down below if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, That is a story I've already covered here on the channel. So definitely check that video out. And uh, thank you so much for your question. All right, the next question comes from Amone the Alien, which I think is how you say that. They said, I recently watched a video of yours where you mentioned having a natural affinity for kitchen witchery. Do you still, excuse me, do you still incorporate that practice into your life? And if so, how? Love your content. Thank you so much, Alien. I appreciate you. Um, So kitchen witchery is something that comes extremely natural to me. Like I have never had to read a book or anything. And when I've tried to read a book, it's literally everything I already know how to do. And I don't know how to explain that to you other than I probably had a past life as a witch, maybe a couple. I already have a natural affinity for these things. Um, And that happens to people all the time. Like if you had past lives with like divination, witchcraft, things like that, you probably will see those things present in you today. Now that doesn't mean you can't start practicing today and learning new things, but with kitchen witchery, that's something that has always been very natural to me. Like I remember even growing up in my parents' house when I didn't know what kitchen witchery was and I thought witchcraft was of the devil because I grew up Mormon. Um, there were times where I would already do some of the things that I do now, like stirring food clockwise to bring like intentions into it. And, um, like kind of like gazing into like boiling water to even do like divination. These were things that I already did. I don't think I've ever talked about this with like anyone. Um, I already did a lot of those things, but I would say the ways that I really incorporate it now, I don't, Kitchen witchery is so natural to me that I don't even really make a ritual out of it. Like some people, when they want to do a kitchen witch spell, like they will call the corners, they will do all this stuff. And that's great if that's how your practice goes. I think that's awesome. For myself, a chaos witch, uh, I don't do it that way. I honestly, it's just kind of as I'm doing things. If it's something that's really special, like I'm baking something for someone else, then I might do a little bit more ritual with it. But if it's just for me and my household, 
Um, I'll, I'll do kind of like the clockwise stirring incantations that I usually come up with myself. Um, and I also really love incorporating, like this is one of the easiest things. I love incorporating pink salt into my food uh, if salt is called for because pink salts, anything pink that you're gonna add to your food already brings with it the energy of love. And I am a Venetian bitch, okay? Aphrodite is my fave. Uh, we work together a lot and like rose quartz is my favorite crystal. Like I have like always believed from a really young age that love was like the number one priority and that love would literally heal the entire earth. And so bearing that in mind, like love has always been so important to me, like above almost anything else you could say. And so I like incorporating that element of just like pure unconditional love into all of my food. And I really, you can do that with almost anything, especially if you're a chaos witch, but I like using pink salt in particular because it brings in that gentle pink energy and whatever I'm putting into my food, whatever incantations go in there, I make sure to kind of add that with a little bit of an intention of love to it. Uh, and I, I love it. Like that's something that I do consistently. And, um, I guess like one other thing I could tell you is I learned this from Mia magic actually, who is another witch here on YouTube. Fantastic. By the way, I'm actually going through her witch school program right now and I really love it. But she taught me that just like setting intention with your drinks in the morning, which I already knew about that, but I like the way that she styled it, which is coming up with like two couplets of your intention for the day. So like, it's basically like two lines that rhyme and two lines that rhyme. And you kind of incant that nine times over your drink because you always want to go with like a three by three method because three honors the mother, the maiden, or sorry, the maiden, the mother, and the crone. And so like that triple goddess energy. So three times three, nine. Uh, that's something I've been doing more recently as I set intention for my day. I'll do it over my water in the morning, my tea in the morning, whatever I'm doing. And I like that. I think it really sets like a strong energetic foundation for the day. And I feel like that falls in the line of kitchen witchery for sure. The next question comes from the imaginary goddess, and they said, how do you know how to do a general reading if you don't know the audience? How did you learn how to channel messages from spirit? So I feel like this is a very loaded question, but ultimately, I don't channel messages for the audience that I think I'm going to have, if that makes sense. I channel my messages for the audience that I am manifesting showing up. So... Basically, like, I don't think, oh, I don't know the audience. I trust that my spiritual team already knows the audience. And so I don't even have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about, like, what, like, oh, no, who's going to show up? I don't know who they are. Whatever energy is being channeled through, I know that the right audience is going to show up to hear it. I'm not, and I actually would say in any spiritual business or any business, Yes, it's good to know your target audience, but I feel like in a spiritual business, that's not really the point. Like you kind of have to tap more into your divine feminine energy, which divine feminine states that you just sit back and receive. So I'm not out there trying to find my target audience, do it this way. I'm just channeling directly from the divine and the right people show up across my channel. And that has proven to be true throughout my, my entire career here or everything that I've kind of done here. Um, 
I actually think when you step into that divine masculine role and you're chasing the audience and you're trying to figure out who to make what for, um, it's it to me, for me, that makes it harder for me to channel. It's not as natural. And so I feel like with that in mind, like I just try not to step into my divine masculine in my business until I'm doing like the SEO for my business, which is like doing like the uh, keywords and like all the description stuff and like stuff that like the YouTube algorithm likes. That's when I will bring my divine masculine energy to the table because that's where it thrives. But that's actually a precedent that I really set with this channel and what I do is my original gaming channel coffee. If you want to look at that, you can link down below. Um, I don't do it anymore, but it's still there. Uh, that business was very, very, very rooted in my divine masculine. And I was stressed out 24 seven. I did not thrive in that environment. It was actually really detrimental for my own like physical and mental health. And when I stepped into this role, that was an intention I really set was that I wanted to be here in my divine feminine energy. I wanted to receive, I wanted to work on just being very slow and very gentle with everything that I do. And so that's the energy I bring to the table. Now, I also believe that as cards and things are being channeled or messages are being channeled, like I said, spirit knows more than I do. I don't pretend like I'm, this is why when you channel, you have to find like the right channeler for you because sometimes the messages also don't even make sense. And it really is dependent upon how open you can be as an individual that's channeling. Because when you channel, sometimes it's just like a flood of stuff. And you have to have the wherewithal to sift it, but not over-process it so it comes out. And that's why I try to say in my readings, like, ah, this is my humanness coming out. This is me talking to you. Um, and how did I learn to channel? Again, I'm going to attribute that to growing up Mormon. And they don't teach you that in the church, but I feel like either that or there is a potential like a past life history maybe. But... I feel like ultimately the thing that we keep hitting upon in these questions is a, a lack of self-trust. And when you don't trust yourself to be able to do something, that's kind of where it gets muddy. So, and I've had to build that over time. I didn't wake up one day and trust myself to channel messages. It came with time. So it takes time. And I feel like I almost want to do like a whole podcast episode dedicated to self-trust because... It's something that I feel like the world actually needs right now. Many people are confused about what's correct and how they should do it and what they should do. And self-trust is like one of the most important, like key foundations to me of bringing your whole self back together and calling all of your power back. You have to have self-trust. And I guess on like a final note, I'm sorry if this answer was everywhere on that question. I want to also say that like in the beginning, it's going to feel weird. It's not going to feel like you just knew exactly what you were doing for most people. It's going to feel weird. When I first started producing tarot card videos, it felt so strange. I was so nervous. I was so afraid. And over time, it has gotten easier and easier and easier and easier. So you really just have to do it. Like experience, if that's what you're wanting to do, the experience is everything. You have to just like, I've been doing this for over a year now here and like consistently 
And even now I still have like fears and doubts that crop up here and there, but I feel a lot more centered and grounded in what I do. Okay. I hope that answered your question. I feel like it was kind of all over the place, but moving on. Um, Carla Martins says, what was your journey with tarot? How was the process of learning tarot? So I actually put this question in here because I have two videos on this and I will link them down below and card them for you. No matter where you're watching, you'll have access to that video. Um, I have, they're like much longer videos that go into great detail on how I did this. So definitely check those videos out. Deed Ferrari, Ferreira, I think Ferreira. Ferraria, Ferrara. I'm so sorry. Uh, wants to know, how do you find your authentic real self? This question could be an entire podcast episode on its own, but I just want to basically express what I think helped me find my real authentic self. It's going to be different for every single person. What you need for yourself is going to be different. And for some of you, this might be the same. But, and a lot of people are not going to like my answer because I know a lot of people don't feel this way, but for me, this is what I needed and what really up-leveled my own personal growth. I am the kind of person, first of all, that is very all or nothing. I, and that could be good and bad sometimes, but when I'm going to do something, like I go all the way, I don't half-ass anything. I will do the hard work. I will rip the band-aids off where I have to. And I actually think, even though this was not my intention when it happened, I think the number one thing that brought me to my authentic self, two things, but the first one is the most important. Um, I moved away from my family and I actually think that this was the best thing I could have done. And this is very deeply personal, but here we are. <laughs> um, the reason that I feel like this was the thing that I had to do now, granted, many of you have very strong relationships with your family. I would not recommend moving away from your family. If you feel like your family is supportive and really awesome and they help you grow spiritually or into your most authentic self and they support it. For me, in my family dynamic, I'm the youngest of seven children. And in my family, not only was there religious indoctrination that definitely stripped me of my authentic self, 100%. And I can say that with confidence because I'm no longer a member of the church. But not only was that a huge part of it, but on top of that, my family has a lot of dynamics where they bond over like bullying and gossip and like not every single one of them. So don't like get that impression either. I'm not talking about every member of my family. There are plenty of them that are incredible, amazing people that I'm very close to, but there is this common thread of gossip, bullying, and this like needing to repress the authentic self in service of one person. And if any of my family's watching this, they're going to know exactly who I'm talking about, um, which I would say it to their face. So it's not a secret, but, um, when you come into your authenticity, if you're in a very like, like me in a long line of generational trauma, that's tells you you have to hide your real self to be a good part of society or to be a part of a religion or to, you know, whatever it's, it's oppressive. It was oppression. Like that was something that when I moved away from home, I didn't realize that that was going to change for me because I actually moved to the state 
where the Mormons live. And I thought like, oh, this was going to be so good for me. I'm, I'm moving to Utah, which I will be moving out of this state, hopefully within the year. That's the plan. Um, I moved here to go to school and like, I don't know, be surrounded by that culture. But interestingly enough, when I realized that my parents weren't watching me anymore, family members couldn't be in my business if I didn't let them be, which took a long time to get there. <laughs> That was when my authentic self started to come through. That was when I felt like I was safe to actually express myself in ways that I had never expressed myself before. And it was when I felt like I didn't have to hide myself anymore. And for a lot of people, even if you have supportive family members, you might feel like you still have to hide certain parts of yourself to be accepted and to be loved. And that was very much my experience growing up. And over time, as I didn't have that influence on me all the time, it just naturally evolved. I was able to do like, I think that's something that with me really frustrates me when I see, and this is my own shit. I will 100% wholeheartedly like own up to it. This is my own shit and it's not necessarily true for everybody, but that's something that like really grinds my gears when I see it in other people that their family does this to them, but they continuously go back. And it took me a long time to get to that point. It took a long, extensive period of disconnect for me to be like, oh, actually I need better boundaries with my family. Actually my family, like I tend to more often than not choose friendships over family because they're more supportive. And again, that's not me dogging my family saying that they're the worst people in the world. To be honest, most of them are just hurt people hurting people and they don't even realize it. And that's not my journey or for me to decide how they're going to handle that. That's for them. I can be an example. I can be somebody that can be supportive. And when I'm asked about my practices, I can be that person. But until that happens, I just kind of have to let them be who they are. And that has been probably one of the biggest, like, biggest things that has helped me step into my authenticity is recognizing that I didn't have to participate in enmeshment, bullying, or gossiping and that I could actually distance myself from that. And it wasn't easy. It's still not easy. Still when I'm confronted with certain members of my family that those things, those old habits and wounds crop up. Healing is not linear. It's, it often looks like this. It's not just a straight graph up. So those things still happen. They still crop up. But I feel like standing in my own authenticity, I had to disconnect from my family and even though I can love them and I actually feel like I have much better relationships with every single member now, I had to become me. Like I had to lose them to love me, basically, like Selena Gomez says in her song. I needed to, I needed to hate you to love me and I needed to lose you to find me. And, ooh, I just got the chills. <laughs> I'm not going to cry about it. It's okay. <laughs> um, I had to get there. I had to get to that place. And like I said, some of y'all, that's not your experience. You don't need to move away from your families. You have supportive families and it's not like that. But for me, that has been my biggest journey into my own authenticity. And honestly, it's probably why I haven't written a book yet, because I feel like I'm going to expose some shit in my family when I finally write a book. And there is a lot of like guilt that sits on that. So we'll get there though. We're working on it. Um, so that I feel like is a big part of it, but it's also just recognizing 
who your authentic self is, what you stand for, what you believe, what you think to be true. And ultimately, most people don't behave as their authentic selves because we are constantly trying to make other people feel a certain way about us. And when we can get past that layer and start to understand and find support groups, be it online or in person, when we can start to find supportive people that understand that authentic person, that's when the real healing starts. At least for me, that was where it really started was when I started to have support from others that weren't the people that I felt like were keeping me stuck. And for everybody, it's going to be a little bit different, but uh, did I even answer that correctly? How do you find your authentic real self? I had to find the thing that was hurting me the most and remove it. And I hate to say it that way because I think it sounds really bad, but that's what I had to do. You have to remove the thing that hurts you the most, even if it's just for a little while. Uh, ZT says current daily spiritual routine. Oh my God. I'm so happy somebody asked this question because it changes all the time. I don't like doing the same thing every single day. It's just not in my nature to be that way. But my current spiritual routine, um, number one, I like to believe that my life is literally a moving prayer. Like there is nothing in my life that I don't do with intention, that I don't pray to my guides, that I don't ask for guidance, that I'm not giving gratitude. My life is literally a moving prayer. And I really do like practice what I preach in that reality. In that like instance, that has something that's like kept me really aligned with my purpose and who I am. But my favorite like spiritual routine right now for the morning time is I wake up and I've, I've actually been doing such a good job at this, um, which pat on the back because it's hard for me to give myself loving discipline uh, to get myself to bed at a good time. But I wake up around 7 a.m., not like right on the nose. I give myself a grace period of like 30 to 45 minutes, but no later than 8. eight I don't like to get up after 8 a.m., um, I just think that I'm more productive when I'm up earlier in the day, but I get up around seven. I go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, do all those things. I then go into the kitchen. I make myself a smoothie, which yes, this is my morning routine, but it gets spiritual. So I make myself a smoothie. I give so much gratitude to all of the plants and like the fact that I even have the ability to have fresh produce to do that. Because I know, number one, not everybody has that kind of access. And number two, how crazy is it that the earth and the sun literally make all of our food? Isn't that insane? Like, we are so blessed beyond measure. Um, so I like do a very big gratitude practice as I'm doing this. I usually make a big one. So it's for like my husband and myself, I'll just do it in our blender and, uh, lots of gratitude going into it. I set intention, my three by three that I talked about already in today's episode, or, uh, my three by three method where I do like the couplets and I like give intention to my smoothie. And, um, I also will have about 16 to 20 ounces of water before I even like drink the smoothie, just because after you slept all night, you're thirsty. Everybody's a thirsty bitch in the morning. I don't care who you are. <laughs> so, um, I'll have my smoothie and usually I take some kind of book. Um, one of the books I'm reading right now is, uh, this was a Lior Alexandra recommendation. This is walking each other home by Ram Dass and Mari B. I don't know how to say that Bush. 
Um, looks like this. Lior Alexandra recommended this one recently, and so I picked it up. Great book just to put on your coffee table and, like, other people read because it's got, like, short sections. Really, really interesting stuff. Um, it's actually about, like, becoming more comfortable with the idea of death, um, which is something I'm very uncomfortable with. Uh, and then... Or, like, I read Letters to a Starseed sometimes by Rebecca Campbell, which is one that I've been reading. I always like to feed my mind in the morning with something uplifting or something that's going to teach me something. Because I believe that, like, that is, I'm the freshest right in the morning and I'm going to absorb information the best. So I like to hit myself really early with that. And uh, I will also, like, sometimes pull tarot cards as well while I like do this just for myself, see what my day is going to be like, or like a single Oracle card or something for myself for the day. And I usually do this outside. We actually just invested in some new patio furniture because it's pretty warm where we live. And I finally have like a nice space to sit outside in the morning when it's cooler out. And so I get up and I go out there. I take my book out there, my smoothie with me, my tarot cards. And I just sit for like 30 or so minutes. Um, sometimes I'll meditate. It just really depends. I like leaving my options really open in the morning. The number one thing I will say is I do not engage with electronics at all. Um, I mean, aside from my blender, which I guess technically isn't like it's an appliance, but I do not engage with my phone. I don't engage with my computer. If y'all have an emergency, do not call me because my phone sleeps in another room where I do not sleep. And I don't look at my phone sometimes until the afternoon because I just have recognized that it really kills my productivity in the morning. And I really enjoy giving to myself before giving to the rest of the world because I got to fill me up before I can fill everybody else up. And that's something that's taken me years to understand. I would, I used to be somebody that would give and give and give and give and give until I had nothing left. And now I am my number one priority in the morning. And also my husband, who I technically make food for in the morning. Uh, but I would say like, that's really the gist of it. And then when I feel ready after I've got some sun on my skin, really soak in that vitamin D, uh, I will go back inside. And that's really when my day starts, I will go put clothes on. I always show up to my work dressed. Even if I'm just home all day, I always show up to work with clothes on, uh, because it's just like respect for you and my work. And, uh, that's when I like look at my schedule from the day before either things that I didn't finish or like new things I need to get into. And that's like my day starts between eight 30 and nine 30. Usually somewhere in there is when I get to work. And, um, the other thing I would like to say, I wouldn't even say that this is so spiritual, but it's really important for me as somebody who is self-employed. Um, I do my absolute best to close shop at two 30 every day. I try not to work more than like five to six hours max a day and three days a week. That's, I don't like to work more than that. I actually just hired an assistant so I can stop working more than that. Um, who's actually editing this podcast. Thank you so much assistant. I love you. Uh, this is why we're able to do the podcast now and do videos like this because I have somebody to help me, <laughs> but, uh, setting that firm boundary with work, even if I don't get everything done in my day, I really try to close up by two 33 at the absolute latest because my husband gets home between four 30 and five. And I need that decompressed time to like ground center myself, think about what I want to make for dinner because I'm a kitchen, witch. I love cooking. Um, I need that time for me. Sometimes I'll get a workout in, which 
which I also think is very spiritual for me because it helps me mentally to ground back into this reality after like doing extensive tarot readings and stuff. Uh, sometimes I'll get like a 30 minute workout in before then and a shower before my husband gets home. And, um, then when he's home, it's not even like we're always hanging out necessarily sometimes, but I always like to try not to work like I try not to keep working over family time because it's really important to me that I don't do that. So I hope that answers your question. I know not all of it was super spiritual, but that's kind of been my routine as of late. Uh, v Sorovo says how to better, how to be better at scheduling time for myself. I feel like I just kind of answered that question uh, in that last question, which I basically just said that, I have really strong boundaries with my work. Like even when it comes to the comment sections on my videos and stuff, which could literally take up all of my time, I have really strong boundaries and time limits with those things. And I also will go back to something else I addressed in this video, my why. Why is that time for me so important? What does it give to me? How is it going to help me serve other people better? How is it going to make me a better friend? How is it going to make me a better sister? How is it going to make me a better wife? Um, how is it going to make me better for me? That's the most important one, baby, is you. How is it going to make you better for you to have that time? Don't just think about what it's going to do for everybody else. And when you like, as far as like scheduling it, you have to make it a non-negotiable with myself. I tell myself three o'clock is the latest time you can work. I try to be out by two 30. That is a non-negotiable. I don't care if I'm in the middle of a project, I have to write down where I left off. I will come back to it tomorrow. And that has been a huge saving grace for me because I'm somebody that I have the grit as a sun and moon in the sixth house and a 10th house in Virgo. I have the grit to get anything done. And I have to reel that in because if I don't, I will burn out. And I know that. So um, ultimately, you just have to make it a non-negotiable and put anything aside that you can to make that time and remember why you're doing it. And that was actually the last question. So thank you so much for all of your questions. I know I didn't get to answer every single question that was sent in. Some of them, I just feel like, frankly, are better as whole episodes, or they were ones that I didn't feel like I was an expert in or, and shouldn't answer them. But I hope this really helps y'all out. I hope I answered some of your questions. I hope you're here watching. And um, I love y'all so much. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast, the video, wherever you're listening. Do not forget when you stand up in your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at Chloe Taylor and new content coming or possibly already here in July because, or August, because like I said, I have an assistant now and I actually can do more things, which is so great. And for those of you that don't know, make sure you check out the Patreon if you want early access to these videos, uh, sometimes up to a month early. It just kind of depends on when I get them, but you get early access to these as bonus content. Uh, you get early access to my pick a cards. Sometimes there are printables. That's part of like bonus content, early access to horoscopes, exclusive pick a cards, all the fun stuff like that. Would love to have you. It really helps this community grow when I have you there. It's like a really great way to support me. So definitely check that out if you're interested. And I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day, month, year, week, if you're just passing through the channel, however it is. Um, I love you and I hope you're having a good, a, a good everything. All right. 